Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Amen. So welcome to 12 Stone. Let's start right there on fire. I'm going to give you a statement. You're going to repeat it with me, whether you are online, on your own, or with family or friends. If you're with 12 Stone Home, you repeat this with passion. If you're at 12 Stone Live, you repeat it like a mantra. If you're right here at Sugarloaf, you are like the cheerleaders of it. Okay, you ready? God is always moving. He's never stuck. God is always moving. He's never stuck. You ready? I'll say it. You repeat it. God is always moving. He's never stuck. God is always moving. He's never stuck. Because we get stuck. It happened three, four years ago. We were up in North Georgia mountains. And we just walked out of the business. And he jumped in the car, started the car, put it in gear to go forward. And it didn't go in gear. So I tried this several times. I'm losing my faith at at, at each one. And I couldn't get the electronic gear wouldn't shift. So eventually I've got to get a tow truck that this is too far away to get. It's going to be several hours. Got to get an Uber out in the boonies. That was fun. Uh, Wrecked all of our plans. We were just stuck in park. And I think that stuck in park probably describes the last 18 months as well as any picture. I mean, we feel like stuck in park as a nation and you can't go forward. I've talked with many of you. You feel like stuck in park in your dating life or stuck in park in your education or stuck in park in your career or in your finances or, or this whole thing is put you stuck in park in your marriage. And, and many, many of us stuck in park in our faith, just spiritually stuck. I can't, I can't get the thing to go in gear. I, we have felt it as a church. Come on, be honest. Like, do you remember where you were personally uh, in January of 2020? So hopeful. Oh, this is going to be an awesome year. Now, what did we do? We launched Vision 2021. Over the next two years, this is what we're going to go do. Stuck in park. I mean, it's just so frustrating. And it begs the question. So here's the question. How do you push forward? How do you push what, everybody? Forward. How do you push forward? Now, for some of you, the answer is coffee. How many coffee lovers? Let me just, let me just see it. Apparently, everybody. Apparently, if you follow Jesus, you love coffee. Jeremy, I know yeah. you love coffee. By the way, uh, is there anybody who doesn't love coffee? Just, okay. If you, oh, by wrong? the way. I'm in What's that wrong group. With you? No, my hands up. I have just, just this is this is confessional. Oh, sad. I have never is. had a cup of coffee in my life. Ever. 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 I've sipped it. I sipped it in college. It was nasty. I don't know what you're doing. I sipped it years later. I've tried it. Oh, it's nasty. I've never had a cup of coffee in my life. Neither is Jason Berry. Apparently, godliness 
anyhow, that's that's. <laughs> I don't think that's what it is. That's besides. So, but you, you love coffee. Yes. you're a purist. Like I'm, this is yes. sacred. This. So, what is all this? This is whatever. Yeah. Okay. So this is the process. I'm gonna go quick. So you got to keep up with me, right? Go. Okay. So this is called Chemex. We're gonna make a cup of coffee with a Chemex brew today. Some people do a V60 or a French press or an AeroPress. That's a little bit too bold for me. I like this. I got light roast beans from our friends Phoenix Roasters. It's got tones of like. Some chocolate, caramely. Some people like citrus, apple. I don't prefer that. So I'm going to put the beans in here. They're a little bit more coarse. This filter's 20 30% thicker than most filters. And I'm going to let the beans bloom, okay? So the reason I'm going to do that is because you're going to degas some of the gases that are in the beans, okay? You don't want to get CO2 in there. That's going to get it sour. I'm going to let them bloom, and it's going to be about four to seven minutes. I'm going to have some gravity pull it through the filter. It's going to be the best cup of coffee you've ever had, okay? Did you catch all that? Whatever. Yep. You know what? All right. That looks like if that'll get you up in the morning, get you pushing forward. I'm happy. You make your coffee. You I'm got it. here to teach. Whatever. So that'll be great. And some of you, how many think that'd be awesome? Oh yeah, you're like, yeah, this is, you feel like you just entered into a spiritual experience. But the Holy Spirit has a better way to help you push forward. <laughs> and 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 you find that in the book of Philippians. Let, let me just illustrate right off the top here. Look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Being confident of this, that he, Jesus, who began a good work in you, will carry it on. In other words, forward. In other words, what? Forward. He'll, he's going to help you push forward to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Look at verse 9. Push it down just a little bit. And this is my prayer. Now, Paul is praying over the church like I'd pray over you. It's, I'm praying that your love may abound more and more. In other words, push forward. Push what? Forward. In knowledge and depth of insight. Like literally over the book of Philippians, you could say that this one word forward covers the book. And we're going to tap into the book of Philippians for the next four weeks. We're going to talk about pushing forward. We're going to draw insights, and we're going to mix it up a little bit. We're going to do it in a kind of a unique way. The first half of the teaching is going to be how do you personally, some insights, draw from Philippians, how do you push forward? The second half of the teaching is going to be for us together as a church. How do we together push forward? And Jason's going to join me for the Second half, so let's get into the first half. Right off the top, some insights. Let me three, three insights for you from Philippians. The first is, in other words, if you want to push forward, how do you do it? Here you go. Push forward in your first identity. Push forward what? In your first identity. You, you have to know your identity. You get lost in your identity and your worth, and you get stuck in park. You swirl. You can't go anywhere. A second insight. Pour into someone. Hey, whatever God's pouring into you, pour into someone else. You get stuck in yourself. You got to get outside yourself, beyond yourself. Third, push forward for things that last. For things that what, church? Last. All right, I only got half the teaching, so I got to hit this fast. Let's go to the first one. Push forward in your first identity. When you move into the book of Philippians, Paul is describing his letter as to and from. You know, kind of like old school. It's on your emails, to, from. 
But it's more than that. What he's really doing is declaring identity. Now, a lot of times we get in the book of the Bible and we start reading through it. And we're like, oh, what does this say? And we skip the intro because that's like no big deal. Oh, no. The intro right at the top. He is declaring our identity. This is one of the most complex things to solve in your life. But listen, you cannot push forward unless you know who you are. Ooh, write that down. You cannot push forward unless you know who you are. A lot of us are stuck in park because we can't figure out who we are and therefore why we're here. Look at Paul's writing. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Who are they? Servants of Christ Jesus. This isn't just like what we do. This is who we are. We're servants of Christ Jesus. If that's not clear, he goes on. To all God's holy people. That's the church. The church is the big deal. To all God's holy people in Christ Jesus. Say those three words with me. Where? In Christ Jesus. This is declaring identity. In Christ Jesus at Philippi, the church of Philippi, together with the overseers, which would be the elders and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is declaring identity. We have God the Father. We have our Lord Jesus Christ, who is overall, in all, and through all. So we have a creator. We came from a creator. We have a purpose. Our identity is in him. It is in Christ. Here's what you need to know. Faith in Christ changes your identity. Sit in that. It's like making a really good cup of coffee that takes a long time. Oh. See, what Jesus taught was really clear. There's only two sources of your identity, either in the world or in Christ. That's it. There aren't three, four, five, six. There's only two. You're either buying into the world system for your identity and worth, which means you need their approval. You buy into their values, and you're lost. It's never clear. It's never settled. It's never satisfying. It's not true to who you are. You're stuck in park. No wonder you can't go forward. But when you come to faith in Christ, in Christ, you're transformed. Now your identity is in Christ. Jesus was very clear in his teaching. Helps us understand. That all of us, though created by him, have sinned. And because of our sin, we're separated from God now and forever. There's nothing you can do. You can't earn this back. You don't earn your way to heaven. So you're stuck. And God in his love for us. What? How do you explain the love of God? Oh, love of God, how rich and pure. How measureless and strong. I mean, no one loves you like God loves you. Be captivated by his love. He sent his own son who lived sinless and voluntarily died on the cross to cover your sin debt. What more do you want from God? What more could he do? He rises from the dead, writes it all down, sends his Holy Spirit, builds the church. So you have your identity in him, but some of you have never heard the story like Chris Williamson. I mean, this is a guy who up to two and a half years ago, never even heard the story of Christ, never read the Bible, not in church and starts a friendship, David Grant and ends up in their 
12 stone home and recently came to faith in Christ and yesterday celebrated, check this picture out, celebrate his baptism. So let me just, before we're all going to get fired up, we're going to just celebrate this. But before I do, let me just, let me just summarize, read what he, he wrote. I didn't grow up going to church. God was never talked about at the family dinner table. Some of my friends went to church, but it was more out of family obligation than a desire to know God. So you could say I, I grew up naive about God, the Bible, and religion in general. Fast forward, he says, to 2019, and David and I became friends. Eventually, David asked me a simple question. Listen, everyone. Hey, Chris, where are you at with God? He wrote, I had no clue. <laughs> Nobody has ever asked me that question before. I really had no answer for David. The one simple question, that one simple question. Sparked an interest that carried on for weeks and months to come. In time, I accepted an invitation to their 12-stone home group thing. And, and after a year or two with many conversations and challenging things, I became convinced that Jesus was who he claimed to be. So for breakfast, David asked, hey, do you want to get saved this morning? <laughs> and my answer was yes. And I prayed to receive Christ. And here was his baptism yesterday. Check it out. Do you trust in Jesus? for the forgiveness of your sins and in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life by the help of the Holy Spirit and the gospel of grace? Yes. Well, based on that profession of faith, I baptize you, Chris, my brother, in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Come on. Yeah, what does all of heaven do? celebrates. Why? Because Chris found his identity in the world, but he found it was empty, and then he's found his identity in Christ, and he is a new creation, and God wants that for everyone. Now, if you're here at Sherlock for 12 Stone Live, or if you're 12 Stone Home, or you're just sitting online, and you're listening, this God loves you. You matter to him. He did everything he could. If you don't know Jesus just text Jesus to 37748. Honestly, we'll just we'll engage a personal conversation with you. We'll help you. Maybe this is the beginning of your journey. Talk to a campus pastor on the way out. Come to know Jesus. Listen, you cannot push forward unless you know who you are. And that's not only true for, true for you personally, that's true for us collectively. Let me put a statement for us as a church. You got to know who you are. This is who we are. We are biblically conservative and socially compassionate with common sense. I want everyone to read that loud and proud with me. You ready? Here we go. Let's read together. Ready? We are biblically conservative and socially compassionate with common sense. Over the next four weeks, we'll unpack pieces of that. But today, let me just reinforce this. We are biblically conservative. To conserve, let me just give you, to conserve means to, uh, to protect from corruption. It's to protect from damage. It's to protect the purity of something. We, we have Jesus, and, and we're biblically conserved because this is his truth. The Bible is the truth of God, and we're biblically conserved. means we, we protect, we don't add to it, we don't subtract. That brings us back to coffee. I, I hope that was enough time for you to do that thing, oh, yeah. whatever we're ready it is to go. you're doing. We're ready to go. So our coffee is done. I poured you a glass. This will change your mind, I promise you, okay? so We didn't even talk about this in 
it, and the idea, you want me to Yeah, I actually want it? you to, of course. Why else would we do this, right? Come on. That's Cheers. not even in the notes. Yeah, well, let's try it. Here we go. Oh, man. This wasn't Come not on. even part of the plan. Now tell me. Incredible, right? Honestly, that's one of the most disgusting. Oh, please. It is so bitter. Oh. What are you doing with all? Mm. Now I got to mm. teach with that. In my mind, you know, I'm not even making it up. I, if you know what, if I were dying of thirst, I would just die. So anyhow, oh, <laughs> now I've watched people take this coffee, mm -hmm. and maybe this is why I can't drink it because I watched them take this pure coffee, and I've watched them pull in things like this. Ugh. Yeah, right. It's terrible. And I and I watch them take, and they they like, oh, I gotta. Get some creamer, get me a couple oh. of creamers in there. And then, you know what? I gotta get me some sugar. Give me a couple packs of sugar. I need that. Oh, yeah, that's, not sugar. that's gonna be awesome. And then, yeah, give me some pumps of. There we go. Get you a little vanilla. Well, you know what? While we're at it, since you got it, just give me a little whipped cream. Coffee. All right. That, that is not coffee, by the way. Uh, no, it's not. FYI, I, my mom growing up, you know what? I'm going to make a mess. My mom would pour water in her coffee. I'm just going to do something here. This, and she'd water it down. This is mom's coffee. Oh. oh. Can, can I just tell you something? That, that right there, men and women, that is not coffee. <laughs> That's coffee flavoring. And I watch people do that to Jesus and the word of God in the American church. And that's not Jesus. You can't take the pure teaching of God's word right here, who Jesus claimed to be, and then say, well, I like my Jesus with a couple of creams and two sugars on the side. I like to sugar up my Jesus. Oh, you know what? I like to water him down. He's a little bold for me. Church, this Jesus can't save you. This Jesus can't help you. This isn't Jesus. Thank you, Jeremy. Enjoy your coffee. Church, we got to know who we are. We are biblically conservative not as a hammer to cram his truth down your throat, but the heart of God to give you the truth that changes your life. And you can't change it and get any help and have any hope. You got to know who you are. Second, how do you push forward? Pour into someone. Pour into what? Who? Someone. Whatever God is pouring into you. Listen, you want to get forward. This letter begins with Paul and Timothy, but it's more than that. It's more than Paul and Timothy. What you discover is it's Paul. God's pouring into Paul. Paul pours into Timothy. Timothy pours into others. You've got to see this is how you get unstuck. You know why many, you know why many of us are stuck because we're stuck on ourselves. <laughs> let, let, let's look at the scripture. 
I hope in the Lord Jesus, this is chapter two, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Huh. But you know that Timothy has proved himself. Because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. Do you understand? Paul is giving us an insight how you push forward. Paul is pouring into Timothy. What God's poured into Paul. Paul pours into Timothy. Timothy pours into others. Listen, when God pours into you, you are not a cul-de-sac. When the church pours into you, it's not supposed to stop with you. I should get an Amen. Like, like this, this is supposed to move forward. Hey, take inventory. Just take a moment. You might be spiritually unresolved. Not sure you even buy this. We hope you go consider the claims of Christ. And we pray you someday come to faith in him like Chris Williamson. But here's what you know. It's true for all of us. Christian or non-Christian. You got to pour into other people. When you get stuck, it's usually because you're stuck on yourself. The last 18 months has pushed many of us to be stuck on ourselves. You want to break through in business? Pour into others. Mentor others. Care about your coworkers. You want to break through in community? Care about your neighbor. Be good Samaritans. Love those who have broken down on the road of life. We are socially compassionate with common sense. You want to be a part of something bigger than you? <laughs> when we give our tithe and offerings and we make things happen like God is using in the kingdom, we're pouring into others. You want to get unstuck? You want to get out of park? Get back to pouring into others. Third, push forward for things that last. For things that what? Last. Paul is telling us that the biggest thing happening on earth is the kingdom of God. Lean in. <laughs> it's the biggest thing happening because it's the only thing that lasts. Paul's writing to the church. He's in prison. He's been beaten. He's suffering. He's sacrificing. Why is Paul going through all this? Because this is what lasts. Well, that's the first half. Now let me turn to the second half of today's teaching. How do we, how do who? We. How do we push forward? So I have an announcement to make to church today. Very excited. Let me set it up. When I moved into my new office a decade or two ago, it's pretty awesome. I got to be honest with you. I was thinking, oh, this is great. And I had this distinct impression. I'm like, oh, God, thank you. And do great things for people. And the first thing he wanted me to do is kneel down and pray for the next senior pastor. I'm like, what? This is my office. Yeah, no, it's not yours. Just kneel down right there. And I did. And I prayed for the next senior pastor. So that I would know that this is not mine. This is God's. And that I would live and lead like I knew that. Hold it open-handedly. So church, I know who the next senior pastor of 12 Stone is going to be. If you've been paying attention, you know too. But hang on. Give me the grace to walk you through some thought. And then we'll talk about where we go. Push forward. 
the next, the future senior pastor of 12 Stone Church is going to be Jason Berry. You probably figured that out. And it is amazing, but it's, it's not time to celebrate him yet. Let's pause. I'm, we'll have our moment. And I'll be the first one. Why? I'll tell you that when he comes up here. When? Next two to four years? And go sooner and go slower. It's up to God. Would you give us the grace of following the Holy Spirit? We, I can't give you more than he has. I didn't know COVID was coming. We, we don't know everything, but we do know this. Yeah, well, what are you going to do, PK? You're retiring? No, I don't even believe in retirement. <laughs> so what am I going to do? I'm going to be founding pastor, but he's going to be sole senior pastor. All of it right on his big shoulders. God bless him. I'm going to be founding pastor. I'm going to chair the elder board. I'm going to pour into Jason anything that I can. I'm going to serve Jason. My job was to take everything God's entrusted to me and hand it on to the next generation. It's not mine. It's God's. It's not yours. It's God's. Let's be as mature as the kingdom of God. Let's celebrate what God's doing because God is always moving forward. He's never stuck, but I'm not quitting. I'm not retiring and I'm not leaving. I'm going to teach here as well. I'm going to teach this many times because it's going to fall on Jason. I'm going to pray for him in the name of Jesus. God, help him. But I'm going to teach several times, and I'm, I'm going to serve, and I'm going to lead. Marsha and I are going to lead the uh, fourth quarter ministry for 55 up. This is going to be a riot. Listen, we do not believe you're supposed to retire from the kingdom, even if you retire from work. There are things the kingdom of God needs to see happen in the fourth quarter of our life. Let's go get that done. So we're going to go lead those kinds of things. Why Jason? Same thing Paul said to Timothy. I have no one like him who is about the things of Christ and he would care for your welfare. That's who he is, and that's who he's been. Please don't sensationalize this. He did not become senior pastor today. Oh, did you hear Jason became senior pastor today? I don't, I don't know what our thing is when people go sensationalize. Don't, don't say anything outside of what we're saying. But I can tell you this. This is how we push forward, and we're shifting now, and there's a reason. So 12 Stone and all of 12 Stone, wherever you are, would you please give due honor to the man God has chosen and anointed to be the future senior pastor of 12 Stone. Jason Berry, come on out, my brother. So good. So good. God help us. Why? Why are we doing this in timing? And it has everything to do with timing. Yeah. You're 39 years yeah. old. I'm 60. We got 21 years between no us. Well, You're just, say. yes, this is not the time. Although <laughs> they know us and it probably is the time. Yeah, you have don't. three kids. How old are they? 13, 12, and nine as of this weekend. Church, God has called us to be rooted in prayer because of Jesus to transform souls, families, and communities. Yep. To transform souls, families, what? Families, families what? Families. families. Until I hear it loud, we're not moving on to transform what? Family. Listen, listen very carefully. I raised my family. By the way, I have grandchild number five coming. Christina's yeah, pregnant yeah. for number five in the name of Jesus. I will now have more grandkids than kids when all this happens. Thank you, Jesus. 
They're fantastic. But I'm not raising a family. Jason and I have been having this conversation for some months. If God is going to use us to transform the next generation of families, then the point leader needs to be dead center in the mess of raising family. I am glory to God, empty nestered. I know seasons of life. It is time. The church, I can't say it for every church, but the church should have the 30s and 40s who are raising families leading the church because they'll make sure we reach the next generation and the church has to. Amen? Mm -hmm. Amen. So, Jason, let's talk about it. Let's talk about next generation. God has been stirring stuff in you and me and us. Uh-huh. We're together in this. The elders together. Mm-hmm. Share. And we're going to do this over four weeks. But let's talk yeah. about the next generation today. Yeah, today the bullseye of our conversation is next gen. But it's, it's really what you already taught. We're, as a church, we're biblically conservative. We're socially compassionate. And we're rooted in common sense in this whole thing. And, and the reality is we're biblically conservative. We follow Jesus and his word. We're not going to add to it, not going to subtract from it, but we're going to care about people who are broke down on the side of the road of life. Mm-hmm. But you've watched people over the last 18 months pick a side. Mm-hmm. Haven't you watched people you love, you care about, pick a side? I've watched churches pick a side. It's true. I've seen people go over to socially compassionate and go, you know what? Forget that. God is just love, and you're okay where you're at, and God loves you where you're at, which he does. But they let go of scripture to just go soft on sin. And then I've watched the other side happen equally, where they grab biblically conservative and they sort of build an ivory tower of that. And the Bible's the fourth member of the Trinity. And, and this is it. It's truth. Y'all, y'all messed up. We're all about truth. And you guys didn't live up to it. You made your bed. You're lying in it. And I watched, I've watched churches and people just go, this is what we do. And they're calling that biblical. Yeah. Jesus was both. We have to be both. And that can't just sit in this room. Yeah. yeah. That has to go into the church. Yeah. And it's one thing for us to celebrate that as adults. That has to go into the life of the next generation at 12 Stone. We have got to put that in birth through 18 here. There's a generation coming behind me, which is weird. You're talking about I'm coming behind you. Right. There's a generation, a generation. coming That's behind right. me that this is so complicated. Hmm. I can't think of a time that has been more complicated to live out the teachings of Jesus than right here, right now. The world is answering questions of identity in ways that are not in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And it no longer is passive. It's being pushed. Yeah. And what we have to do is we have to actually put this in the life of kids starting early all the way through. See, if I want to start, the, the smartest way to start, how do we move forward? Let's yeah. move forward with the end in mind. Let me tell you the end. If I could pray one prayer for every graduating senior at 12 Stone, here's what I would pray. Three things. I would pray first that they would have a biblical worldview. Here's what that means, that they would answer the questions the world is asking of them through the filter of scripture, not culture. That they would graduate as a senior knowing how to answer life's most complicated questions through the filter of scripture. They would understand, have a biblical worldview. Second, that they would know who they are created to be. That they would know how, how Jesus created, how God created them. Like they would know their spiritual gifting, their passions, their wiring. God made everybody on purpose for a purpose. I think it's our job to help them discover it. It should be the church's role. Part of our job should be helping our our high school seniors to pick a major. 
because their major should be rooted in their wiring and their gifting, how God made them, not just, well, I kind of like history, so I'll do that. Maybe, but if you're not answering the questions of how has God wired you, we should be speaking into high school seniors, helping them pick majors. Should I go to college or trade school? What's God wired me to do? That should be part of what we do as a church. And third, our high school seniors should graduate and feel called. I've watched too many freshmen in college aimlessly just running around and partying because they don't have a calling. Calling calls you up to something. Yeah. And they should leave. We should have kids called to ministry, full-time pastoral ministry. Absolutely. 30 of them at camp this year. We're doing that. But equally, they should understand if you're going to go be a nurse, God's called you That's right. to be a nurse. That's right. If you're going to be a teacher, God's called you to that. If you're going to be a welder or a plumber, God's called you to those things. They should leave with a sense of calling and purpose. That's what we should be doing. And as I pray those things, why am I praying those things? Because I've been praying those same three things over my kids for years, that they would have a biblical worldview, that understand how God's wired them, and that they would have a calling on their life. That's on us. But listen, this has gotten way more complicated. And that sounds great on paper, right? Like, yeah, let's just do that then. Oh, if it was that easy. Here, here's, here's, let me say it this way. There is a process that we have to create as a church. And here's the process. It starts with biblical knowledge. Then it moves to biblical values and then biblical decisions. This sounds really simple, but there's layers to this. Listen, in elementary, we have to start with biblical knowledge. In middle school, we have to begin to push into biblical values. And in high school, we have to build, build into biblical decision making. So when they leave, high schoolers are making decisions the most practical decisions in their life out of a biblical worldview, right? Knowledge builds to, you guys see this? There's a progression. Knowledge, biblical knowledge builds to biblical values to biblical decisions. And so in elementary school, we have to start with biblical knowledge. And I'm just going to be candid. The way that we teach in elementary is going to change because the world's changed. We assumed biblical knowledge in years past. And so we started in biblical values. We just kind of assumed, all right, so you guys got the biblical knowledge stuff, right? But here's the, here's the truth. And I don't, I don't say this as an indicting thing. I say this as an honest thing. In some ways, the next generation is biblically illiterate, being raised by parents who would be biblically illiterate. And some of you go, yes, thank you. I can finally admit that. Like, this is hard. I don't know how to, I don't know how to bring this into the life of my kids. This is part of our calling is to help you parents. Part of our calling is to help. Like we used to assume things like, well, you guys, kids, you know the Ten Commandments, right? The Ten what now? <laughs> we got to start there then. Well, you know the books of the Bible, right? You, you, you know where Genesis is. Genesis, that's a car, right? What is that? No, <laughs> that's the first book. We got to start. And so you're going to start feeling things like this in elementary. Every January. Again, this is directional, not destinational. But right. you're going to feel things like every January, we're going to do a eight-week targeted sort of curriculum where we're actually in the process right now. As an adult, if you've been through our foundations thing, my goodness, our mm. foundations curriculum is unbelievable. It is as good as anything I've ever used personally for my personal discipleship. We're building what we're doing with adults into elementary, middle school, and high school. Where we're going to pour in biblical foundations. What is, who is God as your creator? What did Jesus do on the cross? What is sin? What is forgiveness? What is grace? all the rhythms of a follower of Jesus. We've got to take this from us in this room 
into the life of our kids. So let's call it every January, we do eight weeks as a church, and we're all in. And when I say all in, all in. It means fourth quarter, the older folks, you guys are coming back from the golf course and saying, for eight weeks, you're serving somewhere in elementary, middle school, or high school, and you're all in Come for on. eight weeks, yeah. pouring into the next generation. Right? Yeah. It's our grandkids. I, I mean, let's not pretend I don't care. You say, oh, you raised your family, now you don't care about next generation. No, my, my four and future five grandchildren go here. Oh, I really care. No this doubt. matters. And it should matter to all of us. Yes. Because we're handing the world off to this generation very yeah. quickly. And if we don't do these things now, we'll look back and regret it for forever. Because yeah. now's the time. Yeah. So let's call it every January. We're going to go through foundations for kids, for middle school, for high school. Let's call it every August or September. We go through an eight-week run where we're, we're laying out sort of the, the whole puzzle of Scripture. How does Scripture go together? And where do you find Jesus throughout the whole of Scripture so they, they understand the narrative, the meta-narrative of how the Bible's put together? Mm -hmm. That feels like it'd be smart to get in elementary years, right? And then the knowledge that they have. Knowledge is not the end goal, but it's the foundation you build off of. See, the high schooler that I described is not just a Bible nerd that can quote, here's, here's all the scriptures and here's all that stuff. No, they have a biblical worldview that started from biblical knowledge. And so we have to just honestly, we have to shift from where we started in biblical values in elementary school. We have to take a step back because that's where the world's starting from. And we're starting with biblical knowledge. And you'll start to feel this inside of elementary. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like salt in a recipe. Like if you, if I put salt in a, in a recipe, you won't see it. It's too small, but you know when it's there and when it's not there, don't mm -hmm. you? You can taste it. It's going to begin to be the salt inside of everything we're doing. It's flavoring the direction of how we do ministry across the board in next gen. So it starts in elementary school with biblical knowledge, then goes to middle school with biblical values. We teach things like how do you, how does the truth of what scripture says play out into the things you value? Like, it's not just be honest because it's a good thing to do. It's be honest because that's a characteristic of who God is. Mm -hmm. It's not just be good. It's no, I'm a good person because God is good. That's who he is. Like, we start to put values in place. And then eventually in high school, we teach you how do you actually make biblical decisions. Mm -hmm. The scariest thing is for a high schooler to be around the things of God for 18 years and never have the things of God get into them and never affect the most practical arenas of their life. I am so tired of watching high school seniors graduate from here and the church at large go into college and walk away from Jesus because Jesus is not influencing the most practical areas of their life, the decisions that they're making. We, it's on us, church. We have got to help them figure that out, and we're going to do that through the whole of our next-gen ministries, and we are going all in on this next season for the next generation because it's too, we can't wait. It's too important. The world is changing around us, and we have to draw our lines and fight for those lines, and that's what we're going to do in this next season. Come on. How do you not get fired up? Oh, it's so good. It's so right. It's so honoring to God, and churches, we push forward in this, and uh, Jason and I, we've been in these conversations. We've been praying and navigating, and God, what do you have next? How do we push forward as a church? And we'll pick this up in the next three weeks, and we'll add pieces to this. So, so this is just the beginning of it. But I, I, want you to, I want you to see something here. Paul said in second, uh, second chapter of Philippians, mm -hmm. he said, I'm going to send Timothy to you, and then I'm going to come alongside also. Like Paul's like, yeah, I'm not just sending Timothy. I want you to hear this. In business, which this is not, 
The church is not a business. But in business, you only get one. One person. Whoever owned the company, ran the company, sells the company, hands it off, has to leave because they can't get along. Egos can't negotiate. And you get the next CEO. See, in business, you can only get one. In the kingdom, you can get both. Mm -hmm. Like, I can hand it off and stay. Because I understand mutual voluntary submission in seasons. And this was always his church, not my church. And I don't care if he's senior pastor or who is. And neither do you. Because the Holy Spirit is the senior leader of the kingdom of God. And we get to do this together as a church. And that's different than anything else. So honestly, it's been said in leadership circles that, that... a leader can lead 10 years above and 10 yeah. years behind. Like you get a 20-year swath. Like, like you can lead as a you can 49. lead to 49 and 29, and that's your best reach and influence as a as a spiritual leader. Well, if that's true, if that's true, then you got 29 to 49. And if it's true for me, I'm 60, so I got 50 to 70. So together, we got 40 years covered. We got the kingdom covered. We just get to go do stuff and push forward unlike anything else on earth. Church, let's go do this. Let's go do this. All right, we got to shut up. Let's pray. Jason, would you pray over the next generation? Would you join in this prayer wherever you are? We're going to pray over the next generation. Jason, would you lead a prayer over the next generation that the things God has put in us, he would push forward. And then I'll, I'll cap that prayer for all of us uh, to get unstuck out of park and push forward uh, for the kingdom. So Jason, uh, lead us. And you all join in this prayer. You agree. Heavenly Father, thank you that your kingdom is passed from one generation to the next to the next. And we stand here 2,000 years later after Jesus' death and resurrection. And this kingdom has been handed to us from the generation before us. So God, thank you for the faithfulness of generations before us. Maybe you never thought about that. Thank God that he called and saved and protected and walked with people 80, 90 years old, people from three, four, five generations ago. God, thank you. You've preserved your kingdom and advanced it. I got, I stand from my generation and say, thank you, God, for the generation above us, the fourth quarter folks now. God, thank you for the way they sacrificially gave and serve and fought for the kingdom of God. And God, as you hand this to the next generation, we now are about the generation coming behind us. That's the nature of the kingdom. It's always the next generation coming behind us. And so, oh God, we pray the three things that we're asking for for high school seniors, would that be true of the students graduating this church? Would they have a biblical worldview? Would they have an experience, an encounter with you, Heavenly Father, where they're marked forever, that they've tasted and seen that the Lord is good and nothing in this world could ever compare to that? And would they have biblical values, their value systems built on you, Jesus, and therefore they would decide and make decisions like that, God? God, would you captivate the next generation with your grace and your goodness? And would you use this church to build that into them? God, would everybody in the adult services, would you, Holy Spirit, put a new weight of responsibility that the way we walk with you, Jesus, is the way that the next generation will model it? So, oh God, correct the places where these things aren't true in us yet. God, correct the places where we don't have biblical worldview in place. We don't live our life with biblical values. We're chasing uh, stuff and materialism, or we're chasing this, or we're soft on sin personally. We're letting ourselves off the hook in places, and the next generation is watching. Oh, God, would you correct that drift in us? Yes, And would we model what it looks like to have had an encounter with Almighty God? 
to experience the grace that Jesus offers and to walk in step with the Spirit, would we model that for them? And God, as we go and put our hand to the plow, building what you've called us to for the next generation, the ministries of this church, God, we ask for your anointing and your favor, for your wisdom, for your direction. God, we feel the call you've given us as a church to invest heavily in the next generation. Would you go with us in that? All of us have open hands. It's not ours. It is yours. So God, speak into the next generation. Would you use us? Now staying in a spirit of prayer before the Lord. I know some of you are spiritually unresolved. Glad you're with us. We know that what scripture describes as what we call hands up prayer is saying we're in a battle and we recognize it takes the power of God to move things in heaven, to move things on earth. So for those of you who might be comfortable, would you just for a moment, hands up, not for long, just for a moment. Father, we hands up prayer in agreement with Jason's prayer for the next generation. My, my youngest son, freshman in college, one month in, I pray that Jason's prayer would play out in his life and we would pray for all our kids that that would be true. And yet those and those yet unreached. And now, church, would you pray for anointing and a covering over Jason and his wife, Amber, and their family? Would you just begin to speak a prayer? God, we know this is future. We're making the shifts now. It'll have its formal final transition time in your timing. But God, all the more as you have anointed and called and trained and raised up, then God, for he and the generation that, that he leads of 30s and 40s and the families that they lead, God, we pray for a supernatural pouring out of your spirit. Unlike we've seen before and we've seen you move, but we say do it again, pour out and be mighty all the more. Of course, it's a broken world. Of course, people are far from you. Of course, they're desperate for you. You came for us. You knew we would be in this position. So, oh God, grant unusual, supernatural, spirit-filled leadership. And we say yes to you as a church. As you call us forward over these next four weeks and you set in our soul the direction, put a fire in us. Some of us have to confess our identity is stuck in park because we keep looking to the world. Get us back to looking to you in Christ. Some of us have gotten stuck in ourselves. Get us beyond ourselves. Would you help us as a church go after the things that last? Seal this. Thank you that you are always moving forward and you're never stuck. Who is like unto you, O oh God? We give you all the glory. We are your servants. Because thanks be to your love for us, we are in Christ. And everyone agreed in Christ's name, saying, Amen. Amen. So I'll turn the service over to 12 Stone Home to the campus pastors. What a great day. And we'll see you next Sunday. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.